Buried is produced and distributed by KETR.org and is presented uninterrupted thanks to the support of its fans and listeners. Become a supporter today when you visit KETR.org and click Donate. In the last episode... I showed you what it sounds like when you're stuck in an interrogation room with investigators convinced you've done something wrong and want you to tell them everything. I left their office in Greenville, Texas that day in July 2017, feeling pretty intimidated and uneasy. But what Sergeant Jeff Haynes accused me of, possessing records without his authorization, was nothing compared to what Carrie Mae Parker's ex-boyfriend encountered when he walked into a police station one day in 2016. By August 2017, Cody Songer was someone I'd been wanting to talk to for a few months. I wanted to ask about what might have happened at a party in a place called Hawk Cove on Lake Tawakoni in the early 1990s, and about the rumors that right before Carrie disappeared, witnesses saw her throw a drink in his face. Cody is one of the few participants in this event that anybody knew of at the time, and his perspective was something I very much wanted for the podcast. But Cody doesn't live in Texas, and Cody doesn't have a phone. He also moves around a lot, so easier said than done. If you've been listening to this from the beginning, you know I already tracked down three sources of information about Cody's version of events. The first was easy, his phone call with Brian from a couple years ago. Carrie's sister Patricia gave me a recording after I met her in Central Texas. A few weeks later, I drove out to East Texas with my co-producer Emma to meet Janice, one of Cody's more recent ex-girlfriends. She said Cody told her about the party, too. She remembered mostly the same story he told Brian, although she thought it might have happened at a motel. Finally, and this is related to what happened in the last episode, we asked someone to read portions of Haynes' interrogation of Cody. Armed with those separate accounts, it was time to approach Cody himself. From KETR Public Radio in Northeast Texas, this is Buried, an investigative series and podcast about the 1991 disappearance of Carrie Mae Parker and about Cody Songer, her ex-boyfriend. This episode is going to be a little different, shorter and straightforward. I'll tell you why up front. The day I decided to start looking for Cody, a massive thunderstorm arrived, and it was followed by days of rain. It rained seemingly from morning until night almost the entire time I was in Tishomingo, the town in Oklahoma where Haynes traveled to interview Cody in November 2016. This didn't make it very safe for my equipment, which I kept under a raincoat or in a bag while I was outside, and that's where I was the vast majority of the time while awake, outside knocking on doors. But it seems kind of lame to make you sit through the process of searching for Cody when you know I'm going to find him in the end. So I'll just explain in brief before we get to the main event. I did several interviews in Tishomingo the day before I met Cody with people who told me what they thought of him. You'll hear from some in the next episode when I introduce a guy who was living in Tishomingo until recently. He's in prison now, but he had a ton of insight that'll put those conversations in context. His name is Billy Givens. I'll explain in a minute. But first, the person who helped me locate Cody was Janice, his ex-girlfriend who used to live in the area. She sent me to a guy who had a falling out with him a while back, 
and he pointed me in the right direction. Eventually, I made stops at Cody's mother-in-law's house, where I left my card. I also left it at the front desk of a hotel at which I suspected he was staying. It was a strange day. I've never stalked somebody before, and it felt pretty creepy. But there aren't many good choices when you're trying to schedule a meeting with somebody with no address or phone number. After no luck the last day, I started getting ready to leave. Not exactly disappointed, because I had spoken to several of Cody's acquaintances. But while I was sitting in my car on the side of the road, maybe two blocks from Cody's place, Cody called me. Hello. And he didn't seem happy. Uh, this is William Chong. Are you trying to reach me? Hey, yeah. How's it going? Uh, I guess. Yeah, we're looking into um, some stories about the uh, crime in Quinlan in the 90s. Yes, and um, I know that the that Detective Haynes came up here and talked to you recently. Um, yes. And uh, anyway, I was trying to find out if you could give me some information about that party in Hot Cove. Yes, sir. Do you do you know how like any information I can get about Jim Wilburn? I know he's dead, but I I don't. All I know, man, is this where all of us used to hang out, party and stuff, and uh, they were big drinkers. Uh, there was a lot of pot involved and stuff back then, you know what I'm talking about? And, uh, and just like I told that cop, where there was four or five of us partying, she come in, had a couple of dancers, got mad with another, with another girl, so I was drinking my face and left, and I've never seen her again since. Yeah. And the last person to see her was Jim Wilbur, and it wasn't too long and after that, he got killed in a car wreck. He had a bad car wreck, got killed, but... I got straight to the point. The party in Hawk Cove supposedly at a man named Jim Wilburn's house. Jim's dead and Carrie is missing, so there aren't a ton of people to ask about what happened there. Cody wasn't sure either. He says that's because they were partying and smoking pot. There are a few things that Cody said about drugs that seem to be leaving out details. We're going to address a few of those examples later. But for the purpose of this first call, I really wanted to step back and let Cody tell his side of the story. During the first few minutes of the call, Cody told me that some of the people at the party whose names he couldn't remember in his conversations with Haynes and Brian. One was the guy with the last name Jones. No one could figure that out. The other had the last name Reed, according to Haynes' notes. Whether any more of them boys is alive, I have no idea. I know that I couldn't remember the guy's name, Jones, that was at the party. Uh-huh. But I did remember it later on after me and my wife was sitting there talking, and his name is Terry Jones in Quinlan, Texas. And if you want to look him up, that'd be fine. He might just tell you more than I could. Are you, are you you're in town, right? Because I'm I'm actually just right by the subway. Yeah, I don't I don't want to I don't want to meet with you or nothing, man. I'm I'm getting really kind of tired of this. I've already talked to the police. I've told them that I would submit to. A, lie detector test and all that crap, and I'm just, I'm done with it. In episode one, I told you that this podcast is not about Cody. That's still true. For somebody who's been repeatedly accused of wrongdoing, mostly based on hearsay and rumors, I didn't blame Cody for his reluctance to speak to me. But after I explained that I really was trying to talk to everyone, and that I wasn't after him personally, he agreed to do a phone interview. So, I sat in the driver's seat of my Jeep, a block from his apartment, and talked to him through the speakerphone. Take what you can get, right? I want to pause here to tell you that Cody has some harsh things to say about Carrie. I'm generally reluctant to let people tear into others on this podcast, especially somebody who can't respond. But we don't know which claims of any of these could be related to her disappearance. I believe each thing Cody told me about Carrie in this call is worth pursuing, and it would be shooting myself in the foot to leave you in the dark, especially those of you who are older than me or have personal knowledge of the area beyond my relatively recent arrival. 
A lot of things I've mentioned on this podcast have led to people getting in touch, which is one of the really cool things about doing it in real time. But it means that in moments like this one, we have to deliver a rougher product. So for anyone who knew Carrie and doesn't want to hear your missing friend or loved one described as promiscuous, a deviant, hot-headed, a person suffering from addiction, or an uncaring mother, you've been warned. But if you're cool with listening anyway, I think there's value in hearing Cody's version of Carrie. She's an ex, at least, so I didn't exactly expect him to praise her. And Cody did point out more than once during the conversation that he wasn't trying to portray her negatively, rather to help me understand who she was. You can make up your own mind on what was really happening. I have my own opinion, which I'll get to eventually. This isn't the only conversation I had with Cody, by the way. Man, I don't have any idea. I was done with that girl a long time ago. She was a bad pillhead. She was a nympho. And I was trying to make a fresh start out of prison. I didn't want the, the trouble, and I just I broke up with her. And I'd been broke up for a long time that she come to that party. And uh, I don't have any idea, uh, any information or anything I could tell you that would help you out on all that. And that's all I know. Yeah, I, I understand why you're sick of it, especially because, like, I think that a lot of the people, when people talk to you, they're accusing you of something, right? Yeah, sir. I want you, you know, just to be clear, I definitely am not coming from that perspective at all. I'm just trying to talk to everybody who knew her. This is not about, yeah. you know, my story is just about the police, the investigation, why there wasn't one, you know, the whole thing. So I appreciate, you know, I appreciate that you're willing to talk to me at all because not everyone is, you know. Right, right. I don't, I mean, I don't know what I could get, anything I could give you other than that. But that's, you know, that's all I know. And, you know, I felt really, really bad for her kids because she had three kids, Mandy yeah. and, and uh, Brian, and and I cared for them as long as I could. And then after we parted ways, I often wondered what happened to the kids. And I spoke to Brian and uh, and told him what I could tell him. You know, I didn't want to set to tell him bad things about his mom and stuff like that. I'm not that type of person. Excuse yeah, of course. Yeah. Anyways, I don't, I don't know what I could tell you that would help you. I mean, what else you want to know? Oh, uh, yeah. Can you can you be more specific about where that party was? Yeah, it's um if you if you come down into Hot Cove, and there used to be an old store on the right. It's, I don't think it's even there no more. My brother's old place is there. It's house with a chain link fence. If you go on past that. And right before the tree line starts on the right hand side, there was a brown trailer there tucked up in the tree. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's where we all hung out. Me, Cactus, Todd Langford, Terry Jones, all the old the old druggers that were cleaning up. You know, we hung out there and drank beer and listened to music barbecue. Yeah. And then uh, after Jim died, we all kind of just drifted off separate ways, you know. Well, I don't even know if any of them still alive. Do you, I have them years. Do you know anything else about Jim? Like, uh, did he have siblings because it's uh, kind of a common name it's kind of hard for me to find out which one exactly he is you know no i i really couldn't tell you uh i knew jim for let's see i probably about i met him through Tom langford mm-hmm. and uh i probably knew him about a year but i i've never seen any children i know he had a wife but they had trouble all the time because like i said he was a party you know, he liked to drink and yeah, I wouldn't say he was a womanizer, but he was real open and friendly. Anyway, I circled back to the party several times during the call. One thing I wanted to resolve while I was talking to him was where exactly in Hawk Cove the party was. 
Another item on the wish list, the identity of the infamous cactus. I wish I could remember Cactus's real name. I could not tell you what her real name was. She was she dated me and back and forth from me to uh just a minute, I'll tell you. Uh, uh he had a septic system business just like me and my father. Uh-huh. Oh, hell, what's his name? Oh, I can't think of it. We we wouldn't. I mean, we didn't fight over nothing. You know, one weekend she'd go out with me, and one, next weekend she'd go out with him, and then she just wound up meeting some guy and moved way up north. Just all of a sudden, just blew all of her mind that she did it. Married and moved on. You know how? You know how long ago that was? How long ago? Yeah. Oh, that was probably. Uh, I'd say, well, it was right before Carrie come become missing. You know, we was like, so I was hanging out over there and partying after me and her separated. Yeah. Probably, I'd say four or five, maybe even six months uh-huh. after we, after she, before she come up missing. Cody also told me the same thing that Carrie's sister Patricia remembers, that Cody did a short stint in jail while he was with Carrie. According to Patricia, he was out by July 1990 because Carrie and Cody attended her daughter's birthday party that year. There's a picture from that party of the two Parker sisters with Cody on our Instagram page if you're interested. Go to Instagram.com slash buried.radio. Anyway, I thought it was worth noting that Cody seems to recall vividly that Carrie was unfaithful while he was locked up. I can't help but wonder what relations were like with the two of them when he started finding out. According to Cody, the relationship ended over another man, a man with a bat. Yeah, see, me and her separated. As soon as I got out of prison, I found out what was going on. You know, she was seeing several other men and all this stuff while I was in prison. And when I found out, I just, I washed my hands over. I thought, I'm done with you going down the road. I'm done. Yeah. And we, woke up. we had had a trailer together uh, over there in, um, I can't remember the name, Rolling Hills, I think it was, or something like that. Rolling, something like that. Rolling Oaks. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rolling Oaks. We had a trailer over there, Randy. And, uh, this guy she was seeing showed up and he straightened me with a baseball bat. I got my stuff and I left. <laughs> and that's the last time, yeah, that's the last time me and, me and her ever, you know, was together or anything. I thought, I'm done. You know, I'll get up with the kids and I left. Yeah. I couldn't uh, even tell you what that guy's name was. Uh, I know uh, he was mean. What, do you know what it was about? Because uh, he was wanting her. Okay. She was open. She didn't She didn't want one guy. You know what I'm saying? She oh, yeah. Cody repeated to me what you've heard that he claimed about Carrie wanting to become a sex slave in Mexico, which I'm not sure is a thing that someone can want to do. I couldn't stop myself from trying a few times to clarify what in hell he was talking about, but had to let it go eventually. In fairness, Cody also seems confused about it. I'm, I mean, I'm serious. I'm not talking bad about the girl. Carrie was a sweet person. Yeah. But she was not happy with one person, one guy, one girl, one nothing. She had told me and my cousin, a lot of us, Todd Lamford, all of us, that she wanted to be a sex slave. That's what she wanted. What does that mean, though? I have no idea, man. Like I said, she had a lot of problems, and I tried to get her help. And like I said, I didn't want to be back in the drug deal. Once I got out of prison, I was washing my hands of that, and I, you know, I never, I never journeyed back down the, the hard drug road again. Yeah. I mean, sure, I dip with my smoking my pot back and forth and struggling here and there, but I'm I, not. Su- I'm not sure that really counts. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I drugs, drugs, it's illegal, but I mean, I didn't stick a needle back in my arm. I, 
I've been clean off that. What about her though? Did she do hard drugs? She was she liked pills. She liked Valiums and uh, you know just pills, man. She didn't Xanaxes and Valiums and stuff like that. She never no, she didn't ever do any that I know of. She never done nothing like that. I mean, like just recently after her disappearance, and you know we all like I said we all went our separate ways and stuff, and. Because here recently, I didn't know anything about it, that they were still looking for her or what happened or anything until her son contacted me. Brian, yeah. I think that was about two years ago, three years ago. I was in East Texas logging. He found me on Facebook. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, I talked to Brian. And then not too long ago, how long ago, honey, was that when that investigator come down here? Let's go. Yeah, something like so, about. I'm not, I'm, not exactly I'm not really sure, but he come from Texas and, and yeah. he went down to the station and talked to me, and that's that's the first I've heard of it in a long time, you know. Yeah. But I, and what I, I gathered, man, was they did a poor job investigating, and they're just trying to. And that's why I told you, I feel like you're just trying to push this stuff on me, and I told him I would take a polygraph, mount a polygraph, and um, he says, "Well, it's kind of funny, all these guys you mentioned." is dead. And I said, you know what? You told me you thought I was dead, too. So maybe you're not doing a very good job. You know, and I'll be honest with you, I do not believe that woman's dead. I believe that she done exactly what she wanted to do. And I'm pretty sure if somebody was to dig around in Mexico, you'll find her. Really? Yeah. I mean, she was serious, man. And I know her. I knew her like the back of my hand, but I ain't kidding. Um... Uh, she was definitely addicted to sex, and she told me after we broke up, you know, that that's what she was going to do. And, uh, she never, you know, I hate to say it, but she never really cared for her children. If it wasn't for her two ex-husbands, I think they died of overdose or something. Yeah, that's right. They had two brothers, and she had Mandy and... Yeah, and Leonard and Arvin. Yeah, Leonard and Alvin. Yeah. And... uh she was with Leonard, I think, when she went with me. And and I'll be honest, back then I was a thug. I was, you know, a drug head. Yeah. I wasn't a thug. I was a drug head. Yeah. And I met her through my drug dealer. Took me over and introduced her to me. And I come over that night, took her up and moved her to my house. Uh-huh. But uh, is that Ricky? Time, I was too much addicted to sex myself, you know. Well, you were a but, young man, so. Well, I was, I was, I you know, she's my friend that I was really f***ed up on the wrong path. Yeah. And uh, I have, since then, I have found the Lord, and I try to be a Christian, and I'm struggling with it every day. I have a foul mouth. Cody also seemed to confirm that Carrie was working at the filter factory, or at least a factory, around the time of the party. So it's another reason to try to lock down exactly when and where Carrie was working. Can I ask you, too, do you know about Carrie having a job in Terrell? In Terrell? Yeah. No, I know she has an ex-husband in there, Brian Strillfather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Lupe. Uh, it seems like, I don't know, I want to say vaguely that she mentioned something about a, a boxing factory or a, something like that or a pallet factory or something. Yes, yes. Filter. Kind of at the party that she was going to go check out or something. I can't really remember, man. Like I said, we were pretty toasty. We'd all been drinking and dancing. No, but actually, that's really important to me because, um, the like when they try to estimate when she was last seen, you know, it's kind of based on this wor- this job in Terrell at that factory that you just mentioned. 
so, yeah, something like that, I want to say, man. I, I can't really remember, bro. Like I said, we were pretty drunk. Speaking of the party, Cody offered to describe it from the beginning. Of course, I was eager to hear it. Now, let me tell you that night. Yeah, we was all partying. And it's, there was a... Uh, then something caught on fire? I think it was burning, y'all. Something's burning. Popcorn is burning. Something's burning. Really, you guys? Now, come on, y'all. I'm trying to do this phone interview, please. <laughs> Miss Burnt Ramy Noodles. <laughs> uh, where was I at? Oh, it, it was just... It, it, it was a handful of people that always hung out. And it yep. was me, Jim Wilburn, and Todd Langford, Terry Jones. And I was trying to remember if uh, Jim's wife wasn't there at the time. They had separated. And Tactics was there. And this other guy, I can't think of his name right now. Let me think on it. I'll think of his name. He had a septic system also. Business. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, Trent Reed. Oh, okay. Yeah, Trent Reed was his name. And uh, he had come by and left. I think it was Trent had come by. Anyways, Tactics and Chosen stayed with me that night. And Boom. The guy with the last name Reed from Haynes' report. And the guy with the last name Jones. Two big mysteries solved. I started looking for them both immediately. But first, the main event from the party. We, we were all dancing and music was playing and I danced the dance with the cactus and then Terry had come over and asked if she could hang and we all said yeah because we were just all friends. You know what I mean? We said they were friends with her and we were all friends together. Uh-huh. And Jim asked me if there'd be a problem. I said, no, I don't have a problem at all, man. You know, I asked her if she wanted to drink. She said, yeah, so I mixed her a drink. And I, think, I can't remember what we were drinking, some concoction, whiskey and Coke or something. Huh. And as a matter of fact, I think she wanted Sprite. And I believe it was whiskey. But I mixed her a drink, and we were sitting there talking. And uh, she said, can we dance? And I said, yeah, sure, no problem. We was dancing. And we got through the dance. And Cactus come up, asked me to dance again. I said, yeah, I'm going to dance. I went back over and Cactus said, I got to use the bathroom. She left the room, and we thought it was me, Todd Lamford, and her standing there. No, Todd was sitting down. It was me, her, and Jim were standing there. And she had her drink in her hand, and she said, she was watching Cactus dance with somebody else. She said, do you like her? And I said, yeah, Cactus is cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said, are you going to sleep with her? No, she said, are, are you going to? She's my French man. So she said, are you going to f*** her? And I said, well, yeah, I'm going to. <laughs> and she told her drink in my face. <laughs> and Todd jumped up and said, oh, hell no. He went and blew him off. He was my best friend. And uh, I said, no, 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 man, Todd, look, I deserve that. And I did. You know, I shouldn't have answered that like that to her. But especially what she was going through. And I knew she had head trouble already. Anyway. Yeah. So anyway, Jim said, look, let's go for a ride. And him and her leave. And, uh, man, I think they were gone, I don't know, it wasn't a long time, maybe an hour, 35 minutes, an hour, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, she pulled back up in the car idles for a little while, and she never come back in. Jim comes in, and she flies, you know, the car leaves, she flies off, and I said, is she okay? And Jim, yeah, everything's fine. She, she, and that's when he told us about this job. And I can't remember exactly what... It was, I'm going to say it was a pallet company or a boxing company or something like that. No, you're uh, close. You're close. It's a filter company. A what? Filters. They made filters. Oh, filters. Yeah. I knew it was something. 
I've listened to this portion of the conversation so many times. Did Cody say police were looking into it back then? And then he said that they didn't? Anyway, that was something I couldn't reconcile. We also touched on the rumors about Cody's parents' property. I heard one story where, not from this cop, but, or it might have been from that cop. I think it might have been that cop or something that, that they thought that she might be buried on our old property and all that. We had a septic system business, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, where does that come from? I said, man, you can dig all you want to there, but I don't think she's there. And I told him that, you know, and he kept on, you know how they tell you, oh, you know where she's at, you know, you know, you killed her and all this. <laughs> man. Kept him, no, I don't. No, I don't. And I, you, know, you can say that as many times as you want. I'm going to tell you, no, I don't. <laughs> Cody and I also bonded over our recent interrogations. I, I went there. I went there to ask them questions, and I got in an interrogation room where they were asking me questions about it, about how I got, like, their their files and stuff, you know? And it was like, man, like, I don't know how you expect people to cooperate with you when you talk to people like this, you know? Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, well, I guy, you know, he's... You know, he come down here, he come to my work and told me that I was not under arrest and I didn't want to talk to me and everything. So I, I was like, yeah, you know, I called him and said, I don't have a man. I'll be down there in just a minute. Talk yeah. To yeah. And I walk in there and I shake his hand and everything's okay. And he shuts the door, man. He just changed face. <laughs> yeah. You know, just totally bounced me, you know. Yeah. He, like, Look, and the first thing he does is start reading me my rights. And I said, hey, wait a minute. Am I under arrest? Yeah. Said, Do I need to arrest you? I said, <laughs> No, but if I am, I want to know right now so I can let my wife know it's in the lobby to go get my bondsman, you know? Yeah, for sure. And, and he was like, you know, that's the first thing he did to me. He shut that door and read me my rights. Yeah. Uh, so can I just ask you uh, more about that job? Because I guess I had in my mind that maybe she went to that party after work, but you're saying that she actually went to the party probably before work? Not. Don't quote me on that because I don't know, man. Like I said, we were we were pretty toasty. You know? <laughs> yeah, I can't remember exactly, but she may have went to that job first and then come there. But I know that she had gotten a job or was getting a job. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know which one it was. Yeah, um, she'd already started the job and then come to the party. Yeah, and it might have been that thinking I would come back to her or whatever. You know, she was always trying to get me to come back to her. Really? And. Uh, yeah, you know, every time, you know, she would tell friends and stuff that I, you know, tell Cody I want to, you know. Uh, and there's no doubt that the woman didn't love me, you uh-huh. know, but I just, I couldn't be with a woman like that, man. I just couldn't. I was done with that type of life, and I just wasn't going back. And I knew if I was around her, it was going to happen, you know, she's not going to, I knew she was not going to stick with one person. The other thing I thought Cody could help with was the confusion over what car Carrie was driving. Everyone remembers her driving a Camaro. But we found records that she was driving a Buick Skylark very soon before she disappeared. This confirms what her sister had said, too. The next episode is going to get into those details. You won't believe where Carrie's car was taken on the night she was arrested. And actually, 
I'm sorry to just interrogate you like the cops. That's not what I'm trying to do. But I just have so many questions that maybe you know the answer to, which is that, do you remember her driving a Camaro or a Buick? Uh, when I was with her? Mm-hmm. She had a Camaro when I got out of jail. Mm-hmm. And I think it was kind of a maroonish or like a dark brown or something like that. She yeah, that's right. She was all proud that she had this car when I got out of prison. Yeah. And what about, do you ever remember a Buick Skylark? A Buick what? Skylark. Skylark. Mm, no, I can't say I do. Just I weird. A, I had a Pontiac station wagon looking thing one time. It might have been a Buick. No, no, it's not this. It's a, it's like a boxy, normal looking car, but she just got it before she went missing. Uh, what? She had apparently just got it before she went missing. Oh. Uh, no, it's the same car because I didn't, I didn't know anything about that. Last time I seen her, she had that Camaro still. So she drove that to the party? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she was in that at the party. That's what, I, yeah, so it's just weird because when she got arrested, it says she was in a Buick Skylark. That's the only reason I'm asking, but everyone else remembers her driving a Camaro. Uh, she might have got that after she at the party then. Glenn, you remember Glenn? Yeah, I know Glenn. Yeah, you said that you guys, oh, like, well, uh, lived near each other or something for a little while? Later? Yeah, we went down there and, and I can't remember the name of the town, but me and her went there trying to make a fresh start. And, yeah. and she could never. I hate to say it about the woman, but I mean, she just never could keep her britches up. You know, the conversation know. turned several times to Carrie's supposed infidelity, including one pretty funny memory about how Cody found out about it. He also remembered a name of someone she was possibly with. And what started the whole deal, man, she sent me some pictures, you know, some nerdy pictures. Really? While I was in prison, locked up. And <laughs> I'm sitting there looking at pictures, and, and a buddy of mine looks over my shoulders, and I'm like, hey, man, come on. And he's like, oh, that's all right, man. No big deal. I said, yeah, that's just my wife, you know? He said, really? He said, who's taking the pictures? <laughs> and he said, she's all out dancing on the back of a couch and shit. And I'm like, that's a good question, bro, you know? And trying to find out is this. My guy, some photographer dude, supposed to be a friend of hers. Uh-huh. And then, you know, the story just starts unfolding when I get out of prison. And it was just like a, it was like a soap opera pro. <laughs> and I couldn't, I couldn't take him out. I was like, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. And that's when I started hanging out with Todd. You know, because when I was with her, I never could hang out with Todd and them because they didn't want to be around her. And she didn't want to be around me, you know, be around them and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. And when they been her separated, I started hanging with my friends again. Todd, have you talked to Todd? Is he still alive? I I, I have not talked to him, but I want to. I I really want to. <clears throat> and I don't have. If you do talk to him, man, if you don't mind, would you please give me him my phone number and tell him to contact me, man? Because I would really like to talk to him. I'd like to see him. Absolutely, I'd be happy to. Thank you for pertaining to the case, but I can't find him on Facebook. And me either. Everywhere I look, it's a dead end to get a hold of him. Because ever since all this has took place, it's all this has popped back in my head, and I've been wanting to find <laughs> see how he's doing. You know? Yeah, and you know, I, I and I, I'm sorry for. I, I know I, I have to do it for my job. I, you know, I don't really take any pleasure in like dragging everyone back over and over again. You know, like, you know, because it's like. Now I'm saying you're trying to you're trying to get to the truth and find out what's going on, and and uh, I really respect that and like I said I don't I don't think I feel like they did a really piss poor job on their job back then myself because 
like I said, there was a never no, it never seemed like a big deal. I mean, you know, if somebody comes up missing and they think they're murdered, you'd think it'd be an investigation. You know, you'd be asked about and things would happen, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I never, nothing like that ever really took place. Yeah, that's she was known for what she was, and I guess they took it as that. I don't know, which is sad. It is sad. It's not right. Um, and it's it's the main focus of our story too. Is is you know not on not on who did it or you know, but more like what what should they have done differently? Because that's messed up. I mean, you you can't just you know if your loved one disappears, like you would at least expect that somebody's looking for them. You know, it's a it's so it's totally crazy that. Nobody ever did, seemingly, until, like, 2010 or something, which is the whole reason you're hearing about this all again, you know? But Can you help me give any information at all that would help me find who's the real Jim Wilburn? Like, uh, where he's from? You need to find Terry Jones or Todd Lamford. They were really close to him. They were friends with him years before I was. Man, they can tell you detailed stuff. Okay, okay. If you could get a hold of one of them two guys, man, that's going to be your best bet. Okay, so do you know where Jim uh, Wilburn lived? Yeah, where I told you at, at uh, Colt Cove. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, you did. Oh, oh right, because his house is the one who hosted the party. Yeah, it, yeah, it was probably past where the old store was, man. It was like, I want to say four or five houses down. It's right when the tree line started thick again, mm-hmm. and his house was on the right. On the right side of the road? Yes, sir. And what what kind of house was it? A trailer or just? Yeah, it was a brown trailer. Okay. And the party, by the way, was it like a late night party or do you remember? No, it wasn't awfully too late. Like I said, we was all into the drinking ring, not staying up late. We all had jobs, you know, working and shit. And, yeah. Uh, I'd say this took place, you know, cop asking the same thing. I, I'd say probably ten thirty or something like that. You know, maybe yeah. ten o'clock. So normal time for a party. It was dark. Yeah, it was dark when all this took place, you know. Okay. Late maybe. <clears throat> well, I really appreciate your time. I know that I, I was telling somebody else that if it were me and roles were reversed, I really don't know if I would answer, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't have problem. I don't have anything to hide, man. So. Yeah, I know. If but- I can help you again, uh, Mr. Hale, just give me a call, bro. And just, but if I didn't help you again, man, just give me a call, all right? Thanks. I really, I really do appreciate it. And and if I find Todd Langford, I'll be sure to give him the number and tell him the times you told me. All right, I sure appreciate it, Michelle. Thanks. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. You're going to hear more of this call later. But those are the parts about the party and the end of his relationship with Carrie that I thought were important at the time. There were many more questions for Cody, but I saved them for another day. I wanted to leave the door open for communication. It seemed wise to hang up on good terms. By the end of the call, I felt good about the possibility Cody would talk to me in the future. And I was right. So, not a bad start at all. Something I didn't mention to Cody was that six weeks before traveling to Tishomingo, I received a letter posted from a Texas prison unit near the Oklahoma border. It was from a man named Billy Givens, who was, until relatively recently, Cody's neighbor and a friend. In the letter, Billy wrote about a day he and Cody were together. Billy was on the run from police in Texas, and Cody seemed to suggest that he was also keeping a low profile. He said that Cody, for some reason, confided in him that he was a person of interest in a woman's disappearance in Texas. The two were in Oklahoma, and Billy had never heard of Carrie Mae Parker. In his letter, 
Billy wrote that he considered it an odd thing to bring up to someone. Even odder is what he claims Cody said next. No body, no crime. Four days after speaking with Cody, I found myself face to face, well, through thick prison glass, with Billy. He had a lot to say. We spoke as long as the guards would allow about that strange encounter and a whole lot more. I'll tell you about it on the next episode of Buried. Buried is produced by Emma Anderson and me. Its executive producer is Jared Knight. Brad Davis composed the original theme music. Podcast cover art is by Crystal Sid. Our photographer is Brittany Greider. You can see some of her striking photos on our Instagram account. It's at instagram.com slash buriedradio. We're also on Twitter and Facebook. You can go to ketr.org slash buried for an always up-to-date list of episodes. Our email address is buried at ketr.org. Buried is a production of 88.9 KETR, public radio for Northeast Texas. To support Buried and other programming, go to ketr.org and click the red Donate button. And thanks. Thanks.